First time I've been up here with the new lights. Should have brought my sunglasses. <laughs> Good evening. I'm Pastor Mike. I used to be called just Mike. Nothing changed. I still like the pastor. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your crown of glory, Father, that you spread to us, Father. We thank you, Lord, that you are the cornerstone, that we trust you. You're such a good Father. It's so comforting to come to this worship time where the Holy Spirit is falling. And we thank you, Lord, for your love and your grace. We thank you for the covenant that we operate under. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I was driving up to Colorado last week, or two weeks ago, and Kathy and I had been talking, and one of the things that, and and this is going to tie into what uh, Larry was preaching on Sunday, and we had had really realized that with some of the things we were looking, the the power of confessing God's Word and how to become a bold confessor, and the things we were speaking that we realize there's a lot of times we say things about people that is a curse. And we didn't realize it. You know the old southern saying, bless his heart, bless their heart. You know, the, that's the ugliest baby I ever saw, bless his heart. You know, that, that's just part of the southern tradition. But we, did, we realize that when people are acting a certain way and they, they have a, a personality quirk, we just say, well, just that's Bill Johnson. That's just the way he is. We just put another layer of curse on that. And we don't realize we're saying that. Well, that's just the way that Larry is. That's just the way Michael is. That's not true. That's not true, especially if it's something that's against God's word. So we're driving back, and that was on the way up. So we're driving back, and we listen to his sermon somewhere between Colorado and New Mexico there. He starts talking about the speech therapy and what we're supposed to do. And Kathy looked at me and said, did you call Larry? <laughs> she said, no, that's the Holy Spirit working, showing him what we, were, what we were talking about. So where we've been for the last few weeks with the, the, the Sunday school stuff, uh, the firm foundation, has really, really impacted me a lot. Because the power of confessing God's word, how to become a bold confessor, how to have great faith in God, those are things as mature Christians, that we're supposed to know already. And to revisit that was very, very enlightening for me. And being a mature Christian doesn't mean that you just got old. It means you've been studying and you're realizing that you're now in fifth grade, not in kindergarten anymore. So that's where I think we are as we go forth. And so one of the things I was gonna, I'm preaching tonight is living our beliefs. And according to Jesus, the law of, of faith prescribes that you get what you believe, Right? That's the reason you have the faith. You have the faith for something you get with you. But if you hold a competing thought, like it says in James, that you're double-minded, you have different images, and you become double-minded. You break that law of faith. When you break that law of faith, you're not able to receive. He didn't keep it. You're just not able to get it now. Does that make sense? Because you broke the law of faith. Our belief system in the church and in, in, in society itself is taught to us by trusted teachers and advisors who may have a purpose and belief that they want to institute. We see that a lot with other denominations. We see that with things that other, other religions, that that belief system is taught to them. So what is the truth? 
So meditating continually on God's promises and faith, confession creates reality. Main, let me say it again. Meditating continually on God's promises and faith confession creates that reality. But you have to, you have to confess it and you have to meditate on it. So what we, t- what we learned in the Firm Foundation book, believing, thinking, and saying all go together. We start to believe, so we start to put it into our mental thought process. We have to have it there before we speak it. You know, from, from the heart is what, what comes out. Of, of when, when, we, when we get squeezed, the first words that come out is what we really believe. I'm sorry to say, sometimes that's not faith. <laughs> it just depends on the situation you're in. So believing, thinking, saying all go together. So if our spoken word is contrary to social norms, let's just take politics, science, religion, the social norms that we go by, there are a plethora of belief systems. And so we all, we, we get isolated, we become the birds of a feather flock together, right? Republicans, Democrats, uh, progressives, communists, socialists. And science is the same way. Politics, but our personal likes and dislikes are formed by that. So as Christians, we've got to take a step back from what society's doing. We have to take, take a step back from those social norms and that criticism that comes from that side or from that side. We can't, we can't let it touch us. We can't let it be where we want it to be. The realities of our life experiences in our lives as we grow and we develop are important. And that's one of the things I wanted to talk about tonight. We've all experienced, and what I'm going to really be talking about is strongholds that we have to fight against tonight. The strongholds, and, I want, and I'm glad we're going to have the mature Christians here, not old, mature, that we can, it's surprising me of the things when I've started looking at strongholds that I had, that I thought I'd gotten rid of years ago. We've all experienced the, the battles with thoughts that need to be diffused and go away. Uh, our thoughts determine our behavior. Think about it. You're having a good day, everybody gets a smile. Having a bad day, they don't get a smile. Sometimes they get worse. But that's just because we're, we're, we're human. Uh, a mindset, think of this, a mindset impregnated with hopelessness is depressed and walking around, you know, don't, I, don't, I just don't know, things are unchangeable. And that's known to be contrary to God's beliefs, right? So why don't we stop it? Easier for me to say than to, for you to stop it or for me to stop it. When we're in that hopelessness, we're up against the mountain. And the only thing that can happen is God comes through for me. Boy, I wish he would. And so that's how we get. So, the, and unfortunately, we get into that hopelessness or whatever, that de- not depression, but we're down. And the world just adds insult to injury. Time after time, it reinforces. And guess who's doing that? It's not God. The enemy knows what he's doing. That's where the strongholds come from. That's what we're going to talk about. When we embrace the lies that 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 affect our attitudes, emotions, our behaviors, 
identifying thinking patterns that can become strongholds. Just having a bad day shouldn't affect you for the rest of the week. Having a bad hour shouldn't affect you. Getting some bad news shouldn't change your life. Not if we're born again, spirit-filled, Bible-thumping Christians, that's not supposed to happen. But it does. It does. Because we're normal, we're human. Jesus addressed it to the, to the Pharisees like this. In John eight forty four. he said, You are of your father the devil, and it is your will to practice the lusts that gratify the desires, which are characteristics of your father. This is the Amplified. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a falsehood, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies and all this. That is his natural language. And when he speaks, it's a lie. When he speaks and we're down and we're hopeless, we believe it. Mm. So what is a stronghold? The, the, the term stronghold, if you think about it, and, the, and that's the reason they use the word stronghold in the Bible, that was the castle, the fortification, the fortress where the soldiers would, would gather, and it was impenetrable. You could not break it. You, you had to actually tunnel underneath it to, 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 to get inside to defeat the enemy. So that's where the, strong, that's where the word stronghold comes from. It uses that as the Bible uses strongholds as a negative uh, uh, thought pattern, right? And, and that's burned into our, our brains, even th- through repetition over time. And can there be a, a positive stronghold? Sure. Based on God's word and his, and his uh, promises. Most of the time it's a negative stronghold that's affecting our lives. We've all battled the mental strongholds and we may not have realized it. Because it's been with us for years, for uh, so many years. So how are they established in our minds as we go through our life? Where our personality and our character is formed. That's what forms our character. And it starts as a child. Our environment. Home, school, work. It can produce feelings of insecurity, inferiority, and inadequacy. If you're not in a home where you're constantly uplifted, where you're, you feel inferior at school, you, you're, you don't feel like you measure up to everybody else, or you're being bullied. My, my second daughter, Christy, was in first grade. And I used to use an, an old Louisiana term when they would start sassing me or something. I said, don't get smart with me. And so she brought home this paper of straight A's. And I said, Wow, hon, you're really smart. She goes, no, Dad, I'm not smart. Oops. What I was building in her, I didn't realize. From that day forward, I told her every day how smart she was. She graduated summa cum laude from uh, University of Texas in, in emergency medicine. Just what I did for just switching one word around built her whole life. And the rest of the kids, too. But I use her as an example because she's the one that, that brought it to me. How can, how can that happen? Well, I'll give you another example. My mother was raised in the Pentecostal church, the old-time Pentecostal church. And back then, poverty was a thing you, you sought. And her grandfather was a preacher in the assembly, or not in the assembly of God. He was in Pentecostal church. And they grew up poverty-stricken. I mean, poverty-stricken. 
so much so that her house was the one when they would gather the, the groceries and the dresses and stuff, they would bring them to her house. And she would go get a new dress or a used dress, and she'd wear it to school, and the kids would make fun of her. Hey, that's my dress. We just gave it to the poor people. It affected her her whole life, her whole life, until I got spirit-filled, and then we cured, you cured that one. <laughs> but that was something that she felt like she couldn't have money. She wasn't supposed to have money, that that was against the will of God. I said, no, it's just the opposite. We're supposed to be rich. Rich and walking on streets of gold. Come on, Mom. Let's do this together. That was a stronghold that she didn't even know had formed in her life. Traumatic experiences. There have been a lot of things that have happened to people, and I'm not going to go into all the details, from all sorts of abuse, deaths in the family. Uh, the emotional intensity of a trauma doesn't necessarily cause the stronghold. It's living with the after effects of it. So you've had trauma in your life. That's something that's going to, something the enemy's going to, the enemy's going to use every one of these to set up a stronghold to keep you from what? From understanding the Word of God, from re- applying it. And we think, well, no, it's because I just don't know how to do this. I, I'm not smart enough to understand the Word. I can't get up in front of people because I'm just not built that way. I can't learn knowledge. Because I'm stupid. And the enemy reinforces that daily, weekly, with people. All of us. So, as mature Christians, one of the difficulties I found, we think we've addressed all of our strongholds, haven't we? And so we, the Tossin started a, a, a course called Freedom in Christ. And one of the chapters in there, they go through a whole whole eight series things of how to understand the foundations and get a foothold into, into what's going on. But one of the, and that's why I brought this book, is Breaking Strongholds. And I didn't think I had any tr- strongholds, of course, because I've been a Christian for a long time. I'm a mature Christian, right? One of the worst ones is dealing with temptation. And nobody knows when you're tempted. Everybody else sees the other things, and they can help you with that. Nobody knows when you're tempted, right? So as I was saying, the other, I've told people this several times, there are three faces that we have. The one that everybody sees, my personality, my talking, the one Kathy knows, and the only one I know that's in the mirror. Me and God know that one. And he knows my temptations. He knows my thought processes. He knows, you know, Kathy and you guys don't know any of that other stuff. What's tempting me? What's tempting her? I don't know that. She doesn't know what, you know, what's going on with that. That has to be dealt with immediately. It has to be said no. In the name of we're going to go into how to do that. How to do that. So, because our strongholds, we think about, it, are revealed in the unchristlike temperaments and behavior patterns that we have. That's when you're stronghold. Find it when, you, when you're driving down, I always use this example. When you're driving down 290 and you're yelling at people, yeah, you probably shouldn't be doing that as a stronghold. <laughs> Put it on cruise control at the, at the, the, spirit, at the uh, speed limit and let them yell at you. Because <laughs> we're all supposed to be going 90, right? But, but failure, depression, 
rejection, anger, fear, fear. Fear is probably the biggest one. If you turn on the, I, 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 I got rid of cable about two years ago because I couldn't stand it anymore. But even even looking on the on the on my phone or on the computer, every headline is fear, death. So if you walk out there, you're going to die of COVID on the way to your car accident if someone didn't shoot you. That's what you hear. So man, I mean, talk about fear, fear, fear. That's what's going, coming across the airwaves. Everybody is saying. I mean. ABC, NBC, CNN, Fox, you name them. The good ones, the bad ones, and the ugly ones. Everybody's talking about fear and how bad uh, the nation is, how bad the world is. And so we're supposed to stay in our house and wear a mask. They're actually saying that. The NIH guy said, when you're at home by yourself, you should be wearing a mask. I said, Huh? For what? Fear. That's all it is, is fear. So, good news is, 2 Corinthians 3 through 5. For though we walk, live in the flesh, this is amplified, we are not carrying on our warfare according to the flesh and using mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. We've heard this a hundred times, preached a hundred times, but I'm breaking it down slowly. But they are mighty before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. They are mighty before God. When we use, we learn that in the confession of God's word, we can lay hands on people and pray all day, but until we use God's word, he's not healed. God's word does the healing, not us. That's what it says. So when we are, are, are speaking God's word, before God for the overthrow and destruction of strongholds. Once, but now we have to identify what those are. We're going to do that in a little bit too. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, listen to this, we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. Lay that again. We lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So important that we lead those thoughts where they're supposed to be instead of just entertaining them. Well, you know, I can't make my car payment. I can't make my house payment. I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I think we're going to die in the dark. And how, you know, you spiral in like that. It's really, really tough. And I've, I've said this story many times when I back after I'd had the stroke and we were having uh, some financial difficulties because I couldn't meet my bills and I couldn't pay back the truck payments and I was on I was in the old building I think I don't know if you were there or not but I was by I was by myself I thought on the floor and I was crying into the carpet and all of a sudden the peace came over me and I stood up and I said God it's all yours I don't care what it is it's all yours the house the cars the kids the wife everything it's yours I don't care. Walked away with peace like I'd never known before in my life. And two weeks later, got a job making a lot of money. Making a lot of money. And everything was okay. And to this day, I don't care about material wealth. 
They don't care about houses, cars, none of that. Because they gave it all to God. It doesn't matter to me. That doesn't make me righteous. That just made me desperate. And when we have to give it, God gets us to the point where we're desperate, we give all, all to God. Right? And that's important. So I led every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ. The first thing you know about you need to know about the battle of your mind is there's it's not fought on a human plane. It's not something we can reason out. For some, some I'm a science-based guy. Everything is based on science, right? Nope. This is a, this is a spiritual battle. You can't outsmart or outmuscle the devil. Your weapons must be divinely powerful. That means it has to come from God. It has to come from the Holy Spirit. You have to hear from, from the... When I was on my face and I finally said, God, it's all yours, that's what he wanted to hear. I gave everything to him. And I stood up and he said, okay, it's all mine. It's all fixed. I didn't know it at the time, but I walked away. It was all fixed. That's pretty good, right? I wish I knew that beforehand. I wouldn't have cried so much. <laughs> the main targets that must be destroyed are the fortresses in our mind. How we can do that? So let's talk about demolishing strongholds. We have to close the doors that are open to the enemy. But first, you have to identify them. What are they? And that's individual stuff. That's not me pointing at Mike or, or Donald and saying, oh, I know what your stronghold is, and here's what you've got to do about it. This is something you have to pray about. It, the, the, the Freedom in Christ book I'm talking about is at Tostin's house every Monday night we were studying this. It goes through a 10-week discipleship course, and I recommend. Are you guys going to do it again? Okay. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful course because it's, it's good for understanding the, the fundamentals of forgiving people, of uh, being able to, to reestablish relationships that are broken. But all those strongholds that you have, you, you get a handle on that, and then it goes into how to demolish the strongholds and how to break them. And I recommend that, 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 uh, it, that it's a 10-week course. And it takes away the footholds the enemies have. So you start to recognize what the stronghold is. It's not your comfort zone. <laughs> Our comfort zone, we think, okay, I can settle into this. I'm okay. I'm not going to accomplish anything, but I'm going to be safe. No, you're not. Because the enemy is going to use that to break you out. What does God want you to do? He wants you to be free. He wants you to walk and talk and, and be able to talk to people and, 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 and spread the gospel. He didn't say you're going to be Paul. Or Peter, he said he's going to be you. Go spread the gospel. Go talk to people about it. Kathy, after we got back, we loved driving to Colorado. Back they gave us 18 hours to preach to each other, right? And uh, she went to some store at home. Or, or, and she ran and she was going to look for a carpet. She comes back two hours later. She says, where's the carpet? She goes, well, the, the sales guy, he was, his, his mother just died, and she uh, spent the whole 30, 45 minutes <laughs> preaching to him. He wasn't even a Christian. I said, well, we should make another trip. <laughs> but that's what, that's what it does. It frees you up to go talk to other people, to say, hey, let me tell you why I'm happy. Let me tell you, not just thumping the Bible in their face. You know, that's not going to do it. That's going to scare people away. But when you can approach them and say, Hey, let me tell you about the love I found. Let me tell you how fun this is to be always, always on, on target with God. 
always, always being wanting to talk to people. Hey, do you know God? You know, no, you don't do that. But you walk through, and you can tell God will put you into some God-appointed moments. And if you've ever experienced it, been in a store or something, he says, "Go over and pray with that lady." What? Go over and pray with that lady. So you go over. Hey, ma'am, I'd like to pray with you. Why? Well, because God told me to come pray with you. Starts bawling. Okay, this is real. This is what I got to do. What's wrong? And it happens every time. But you have to have you have to have that unction from the Holy Spirit. The only way you get that is to stay on track. We have to take personal responsibility for the whole of our life. So in Second Peter, this is New International Version. Think about this. His divine power has given us. This is First Second uh, Peter one three through eight. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through a knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. His divine power has given us everything. It didn't say some things. It gives us everything for a godly life. Well, God just hasn't given it. Yes, he has. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. The divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. We can keep praying for a godly life and God's going, read Second Peter. <laughs> I already gave it to you. When the veil was split, when the, the Holy Spirit was poured out on humanity, we can walk into the throne room and talk to God. And he'll answer us. You know, one of, one of my favorite uh, scriptures, of course, is Second uh, Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name, if it's us, get on their face, humble themselves, repent, I will hear from heaven, because He's given us everything we need for the godly life. We pray His words back to Him; it gets His attention. When I sit and complain about how lonely and and, and broke I am, He doesn't hear that. When I say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He goes, what? What you need? He's hearing his words. That's the reason he gave us those words to pray. Yeah, we pray our own words, and, we, and, and there's sometimes they're flowery and beautiful. But they, but they don't reach God's ear. This reaches God's ear. He says, called us by his own glory and goodness. Though through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. What's the divine nature? That's like walking like Jesus. That's what he's talking about. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, strongholds. And that's where I'm going with all this. That's what the stronghold is. The corruption of the world caused by... Remember I was talking about a while ago when the news people come on and it says... Death and destruction is everywhere. We're going to, and the, you know, all the glaciers are going to melt. We're all going to die in 12 years. That hasn't stopped for 20 years that I know of, 40 years. There's always wars and rumors of wars and disease and pestilence. Wish, I wish Jesus would have told us about that. He did. He said that's what's going to happen. Be prepared. Stand in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the light. 
we may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and knowledge self-control, and self-control perseverance. This, that, just this five scriptures can change your life. And to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. What did Jesus say covers all? Love. If, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't we all, isn't that why we come to church? For the knowledge of Jesus, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, to bring that back home with us and practice it? When we walk out the door to say, okay, that was pretty good. How am I going to use it? How am I going to, you know, that's why I've liked the, the firm foundation studies. And, and I'll tell you what, the, the next one coming up, the book of James, that study, if you've looked at that, it's powerful. It's powerful. We're going to have to take it word by word, scripture by scripture. James wrote straight from the throne room of God. I'm convinced. And he's telling us this is how you do it. Do it this way. And we go home and pray, I wish I knew how to do it. You just finished reading James. Do it that way. I don't know yet. <laughs> so I see God slapping me sometimes. <laughs> Why are you being so dense? This is how I said to do it. And, and, I, and, I, and I don't mean to be facetious, but when you're trying to teach your child something and they just don't get it and it's very simple, you can get frustrated doing that, right? You try, especially young children, right? <laughs> it doesn't get any better when they get older. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but we, so we take every thought captive. We demolish argument, arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it what? Obedient to Christ. Obedient to the Spirit. Tell me how to do it, God. Praying in the mornings, in the evenings, in the, at lunch. Whenever you, you have your chance to pray, pray. And say, God, I want to hear your voice. Tell me my strongholds. Show me my strongholds. In the middle of performing one of my strongholds, stop me and go, see, that's it. That's what happened to me. And I'll, I'll share a couple of mine with you because I've been through this the Freedom in Christ deal. I've been, since the downturn in 2015, 2016, I've been doing some consulting work. But I bet I've put out 200 applications, resumes. Of course, it was a bad time to do it. The, the oil field is in a downturn and COVID's here, right? So it's a, a lot of applications. And I was getting a few interviews, but nothing, nothing. And I enjoyed being off. I mean, me and Kathy did a lot of traveling. But I wanted to get another job. And so one of the things I started to say to Kathy was, well, they're just not going to hire someone my age. I'm too old. I started believing that. And when I, took, when I got through this part of taking authority over the stronghold, I said, that's the lie I've been believing. That's the lie. Because I, I, I said that lie, not them. Nobody told me I was too old yet. So, I started praying against that stronghold. I said, break it, break it. Psalm 31 says, gray hair is a crown of righteousness. I said, yes, I'm wearing my crown. 
<laughs> go with that one too, right? <laughs> and I started praying that. And boom, I got, an, I got an interview. Start my new job on Monday. I'm not too old. I wish I'd known that three years ago. <laughs> That's why I'm telling you that now. Find the stronghold that's keeping you down, keeping you back. You may, we make up our own excuses, our own lies, our, and we start believing them. Uh, say, here's, here's, the, here's how you take authority over strongholds. Work out the lie you've been believing, whatever that is. It takes prayer and thought. And it may, may be one or two, maybe five, I don't know. It's a personal thing. It's not something you do with someone else. And once you get that, say what effect believing that lie has had in your life. Tell yourself a truth. What my truth was, I'm not too old to work. I have a lot of experience. I'm in good shape. I'm, you know, that's, so that's, that's what I was using. And so you imagine how your life would be if you didn't believe that. It means I'd be going back to work. And there's a couple others I'm not going to go into. Find as many Bible verses as you can and say what's actually true and write them down. Start talking them. Start thinking about them. Start saying what, what you think is going to happen. Pick the few verses and write them down. Write a declaration. I reject the lie that I'm too old to get a job. I reject the lie that I can't get up in front of people and share God's word. I reject the lie that I'm too shy. I reject the lie that I'm, I'm depressed. Why are you depressed? Boy, you start digging into that one, you'll find out what happens. You don't need anxiety medicine anymore. You fix, fix the stronghold. You go back and you say, okay, I don't need depression or, or anxiety medicine because way back this happened. Way back I believed that my life was never going to be the same after this happened, whatever it was. And we let that take our, 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 our life away from us. We've got to go fix that. We can fix it. We can pray to God, God, take this away. And he says, all you've got to do is take captive every thought. All you've got to do, I've given you every godly, in Second Peter, every godly way of, of, of addressing this. All you do is do those words. Love, goodness. Embrace the truth. Psalm 91. We all know this one. We've heard this one a bunch. I prayed this one during Harvey or Ike or one of them. I can't remember now. He, that's you, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High, that's the throne room, by the way. We have access to that. Shall remain stable and fixed. It means nothing can shake us. Nothing can shake us. Under the shadow of the Almighty whose power cannot be no, nothing can, no foe can withstand that. How powerful that is. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my what? Fortress. Stronghold. He is my stronghold. My God, on Him, I will lean and rely and in Him confidently trust. How many times do you have to say those two verses before you start to believe them? 20, 30 times, 100, once. But understand what those words are telling you. You dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That's, that's, 
People who aren't Christians and who aren't spirit-filled don't understand that. It's foolishness to them. They don't understand when we say, I, I, uh, I speak in tongues because I can speak to, to God, and I can hear from, back from Him, and I get on my face and I say, Father God, here, here, here's what I want to hear from you. And we pray His Word to Him, and we hear the Word. We hear the stuff. We hear the visions. We get healed. We get a direction. Drop down to verse 4. It says, Then he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings shall you trust and find refuge, his truth, and his character attitudes. Next one, Psalm 9. I got the whole psalm here. I don't know if they put it up. Psalm 9, 9, it says, and you need to read the whole thing. I'll read the first couple of verses. First verses, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth, recount, and again, it's amplified, recount and tell aloud all your marvelous works and wonderful deeds. Yeah, it's up. Okay. Drop down to verse 9. The Lord also will be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and stronghold in times of trouble. Let's trade our strongholds for a stronghold. That's the secret. The Lord will also be a refuge and a high tower for the oppressed, a refuge and a stronghold in times of trouble, high cost, destitution and desperation, depression, anxiety, worry, Fear, big, a lot of fear in the world today. In Second Samuel 22, he said, The Lord is my rock of escape from Saul and my fortress in the wilderness and my deliverer. My God, my rock, this is verse 3, My God, my rock, in him I will take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. What kind of violence? Emotional violence, physical violence, financial violence, whatever it is. Sickness, health, disease. We have everything we need until we isolate ourselves in our bedroom and cry out to God, Lord, why aren't you saving me? Why aren't you helping me? Why aren't you? We have everything we have in, in it's when it says in Second Peter. Walk according to the godly word. I encourage you, go back and think about what controls your life. Not, not, the, whole, not the Scripture. We all, we're, all, and we're all mature Christians here. What are the, some of those things? And like the one little thing I thought, it, I spent four years battling that one, didn't even know it. Until it, all of a sudden I took that course and I went, oh. I said out loud to Kathy, I'm too old to get a job. That's a lie. How many other lies do we speak that we believe? I can never reconcile with that person. I can never reconcile with, with Roy because he, just, he hurt me many, many years ago. We believe that stuff. I can never forgive Jennifer for what she said to me. None of that's true, of course. I was going to use Shirley for an example, but she's too pure. 
and it's raining. <laughs> Glory. So let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word as it comes forth. Father God, that enlighten us, Father. Bring this to our heart of hearts, into our new mind, our new heart of flesh that you've given us. The Holy Spirit that you've given us that we trust, we believe, we understand you. We repent right now for every doubt, for everything we ever said that was contrary to your word. We renew our minds right now, tonight, in this place. We thank you, Lord, that as we go forward, we open up our hearts that you can show us where we have stumbling blocks, where we have strongholds, where we need to address those and say, yes, yes, show me the way, Father God. We love that you have given us that covenant of power, Father God, that we can mildly and powerfully approach the throne room, asking for your word, asking for your forgiveness, asking for your direction. Enlighten us, Father, with your words, with your scriptures, Father, that as we focus on those, you show us the path that we need to take. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.